0: Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and marveling at the internet of people who think they know how best to unstick a big boat. Mm. I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership.
1: And I'm Kendall Miller. Just because you can eat in a real restaurant with a real person and meat space doesn't mean that that hipster place magically has good food now.
0: Hmm, I see the story there. Uh, today on the show, we're talking with Carrie Bancroft, Senior Engineering Manager at Webflow. Hi, Carrie.
1: Welcome, it's Carrie. Nice to have
0: you. you? Uh, well, as always, we are going to just dive right in. Um, please tell us about how you got to where you are, starting wherever you like. How did you become Senior Engineering Manager at Webflow? What, what started you off down your path?
2: Yeah, I, um, I think I had this idea when I was an engineer that I would be a really good engineering manager, but I don't really think I knew why I thought that. <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, yeah, I think that's something I would like to do someday. Um, and I actually took a foray into um, the nonprofit world for a little bit um, from being an engineer. And so I was at Ada Developers Academy working on Um, education for women and gender diverse people. And I ended up um, in a leadership role at that um, organization, where I was managing a set of instructors who were teaching software development skills. And that was a really great Foray into being a manager. And, and,
1: and wait, you're literally mid thought, but were you already a software developer before you got there? Did you go straight? Like, were you there mentoring people and then got into this leadership role because you had a software background past? Or did you go straight into leadership without the software background past? background. Yeah,
2: I, sk- I skipped yeah. that whole front part. Sorry. <laughs> but I was, a, I was an engineer and then I was a okay. senior engineer for a couple of years yes. um, before I decided to jump ship and go to this nonprofit. So okay. I definitely had that, that um, I was like a tech lead, you know, pretty standard, like senior engineer stuff um, before that. And
1: did you take a huge pay cut to go to a nonprofit org?
2: Not as much as you would think, but that's because oh. I moved from um, a city on the East Coast to Seattle. And okay. so I was able to negotiate for myself a huge cost of living uh, adjustment just based on moving to Seattle and it being yeah. very expensive here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then, sorry, you were mid-sentence. You're, so you decided to make this change into managing some of these folks at this nonprofit and keep going.
2: Yeah. And so that was a really great opportunity to, you know, have that initial management experience. And also, interestingly enough, managing instructors is is very similar to managing managers, because all of my instructors were in charge of all of these, you know, wonderful humans who are trying to learn how to code. And so it was um, just a really great experience to learn management. and out of that nonprofit, I love them dearly. I just wasn't learning as much as I I wanted to learn. And I wasn't growing in my career in the way that I wanted to grow. So I ended up deciding to move back into industry. And even though I didn't have the software engineering manager title, I felt relatively confident that I had a lot of the skills that I would need to be able to get that job. It was not as easy as I was hoping it was going to be, but I had some really great advocates and supporters um, along the way who kind of helped me pave that way. And so then I was able to go back into industry as an engineering manager. Um, as that first job back and that was definitely the right choice for me at that time in my career so, so oh, go ahead kendall
1: <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you had this first management job uh did they just throw you in the deep end did you did you have training did you just my you know cross your fingers <laughs> and really hope i know i, I literally spell it out from under you um i mean Great. how did you get started like was there anything any help or was it just like good luck carrie
2: Um, mostly good luck. And (laughs) like, we believe in you. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of what, a lot of what I was ramping up on was less the people side of things and the management and feedback side of things, because that I had experience with, uh, it was more on, I hadn't been in industry for three and a half years. And so a lot of what modern technologies we were using were different than what I had been using. And I'm a very, um, I just want to know what's going on and I want to figure things out. And I <laughs> want to dig into. it. Why <laughs> would you need to know
0: what's going on? <laughs> um,
2: so, but that's also what made me realize that it was absolutely the right choice for my career because the amount of stuff that I learned in my first three to six months was like exponentially, larger than what I had learned in the previous six months at the nonprofit, just because I had kind of already had that initial learning period. And I didn't really have that many people to learn from in my role at, a, at the nonprofit. So,
0: so by, by the stuff that you learned, are you talking about technology stuff or are you talking about leadership stuff, technology stuff,
2: definitely oh, okay. technology
0: stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so so you so you were you said you you decided that you wanted to try this. You have like deeper thoughts about why that was? What what led you to try out? I mean, we have there's a lot of like discussion in leadership and and management about, you know, how being a manager isn't just something you step up to once you've been a senior engineer, right? It, necessarily. They aren't the same job. Uh so they should be in separate tracks. Uh is that something that you have discovered as well or um or is it has it been like, no, I, I needed to be a, a senior engineer or team lead before I
2: did this? I pretty quickly realized that I appreciate my individual impact much more when it is grown through others. And I I yeah. believe that I am a much better um like person who works in a full-time job when I can support others delivering what they want to deliver, when I can support other people reaching towards their goals, when I can create opportunities for other people. And that has been true, I think, That has been true for many, many years. Before when I was even a senior engineer, that was true. And that's why I kind of initially got involved with, like, I taught for a summer with Girls Who Code because I was like, I'm going to try this out and see if, you know, helping other people is what I like. And I even got involved with another nonprofit that my company worked with that taught high school students, like, business skills. And I was like, I do not care about business skills, but I like (laughs) helping these students, like, kind of learn and grow. And that was really my, like, that underlying thread stays with me today. Like, my impact multiplied by others is much more great than than what I could ever imagine by myself. Okay.
1: So when you when you're talking, I have your LinkedIn pulled up, and I'm looking at specific jobs that you've had, and I'm trying to map some of what you're talking about to which role was which. So you work at Girls Who Code, then you go to... Lockheed. As it can I talk about the specifics of this? Is this okay um, before I continue? <laughs> sure.
2: We can, depending on what it is, we can.
1: <laughs> we can well, Lockheed, tell us your worst manager at Lockheed. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, so Lockheed was your last senior software engineer, and then it's it's Ada Developers Academy that you take on leaderships uh stuff right and then Mm -hmm. when and then you go from there to Nordstrom and that's what you're saying that was the pivot back into industry but yes um but and then and then back to my question of like when you're first stepping into leadership like I don't even mean at Nordstrom like I'm talking back at the developers academy and I'm not sure which one you were answering like was that the good luck go get them Carrie we we hope you can do well or was that more at Nordstrom like was there ever training at all?
2: I guess I was when I when you asked that question, I was thinking about the Nordstrom, because that experience really was like my first engineering manager job. Um, gotcha.
1: But you'd already led people by that point.
2: Yes. But okay. even when I had led people, I think I'm trying to think if I ever had any training there either. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's
0: not uncommon. Don't worry. I like we we ask a <laughs> lot of people that cause people do just sort of, you know, you learn on the job with, with leadership and with management. And sometimes that works well. And sometimes you have to learn by making, making errors, right. By, by uh, discovering that not everybody is the same and doesn't, you know, not everybody needs leading the same way kind of stuff. But I want to, I, I want to yeah. take a step backward. Um, so, uh, did you always want to be an engineer when you were going to school or coming up before you got your first, you know, real paying job in the industry? How did you get into that? And and uh, what was your process there?
2: Yeah. Um, so I, as a kid, I wanted to be a math teacher really badly. I awesome. asked for like, I think it was like, sixth or seventh grade I had asked for an overhead projector for my birthday so I could Rad. make math worksheets wow. for my students. We would students have been Students who were really just dolls. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really thought like math teacher 100% and my mom was a math teacher so it was a very like oh, uh, logical progression for me. Um I was very privileged in that I went to a high school that had some real computer science courses, and I got into them because they were just another way to solve interesting problems. And I wasn't going to be in like the math club because I didn't think I was that advanced with math, but I was able to get into computer science and I liked it enough. I liked the problems and the different types of things that we were doing where I was like, oh, I guess I could do this in college. Like, sure, why not? So I ended up going, um, for my undergraduate degree in computer science. And while it was super challenging and I had lots of like ups and downs, I would say throughout the program, I did get through it and uh, that kind of just ended up, I just went with it. Well, yeah, it makes Launch, sense. I mean,
1: launched you into it once you once you have that degree, you're stuck. That's that's the you only can't do anything the rest else. Of your life.
0: I mean, the um, money's decent, right? I mean, why would you not even just for that for a while? So no, it totally makes sense. And you know, you can do math in computer science if you really want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and, cool so well so then go i mean rachel did you have more to ask about that before okay right so go ahead. back to so you you go ada developers academy to nordstrom as a as a manager and then nordstrom to where you are today um and like talk about your current role today what what are you doing as a senior engineering manager how's it different from when you were an engineering manager was it just a pay bump and a pat on the back or you know did did things change and this is i i feel like that sounds uh uh companies have, every company handles that differently. And I'm curious how your company handled that. And if your responsibilities changed in that and you know, size of org makes a difference and all those things, but curious what happened.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So first I'll talk a little bit about like from Nordstrom to Webflow, which is where I'm currently at. Um, Webflow was the first place that I got real manager training, which is like very Woo-hoo! exciting. Oh, there
1: you go. Yeah. Um,
2: so, all new managers, not just engineering managers, but all new managers uh, would go to in person training in San Francisco that was led by this really great organization. Um, and so, that was really exciting for me because I love learning alongside other people. And it was enough. After I had started where I had already had some of those initial challenges where I was like, I'm so excited about learning more alongside a bunch of other really smart, um, awesome people. And then at Webflow, I'm, I've also been set up with a coach. So that has been really awesome because I think a lot of like, even, even though I had a little bit of experience leading people, I think that like having a coach kind of help support me and help me create very tangible, specific goals, work through challenging problems, um, and have that kind of like work support that is not directly from my manager has been like really paramount in my success, especially during pandemic times when things are just generally much harder, um, I would say. So that has been a really nice experience.
1: Is the coach internal, another Webflow person that's not your manager, or is it an external coach?
2: It's an external coach, which I think is also really okay. great. And it's not someone who's engineering specific, but more around like leadership development um, skills, which I think yeah. has also been really helpful for me.
0: Well, I think it's a good idea that it be someone outside your organization. Cause otherwise you're yeah. like, what can I really talk about here? You know, how honest yeah. can I really be? <laughs> no, that's great. Exactly. That sounds awesome.
1: I think, I, I mean, I think in my career I've had, uh, really good experiences, especially in the bigger, bigger the organization, having somebody I can go to that's not my manager and be like, "Why the hell is this like this?" And they can go back and give me this long history of, "Why, Kendall, you should stop fighting that battle because it's been this way for 25 years and it's never going to change." Uh, that's useful to know, right? But then the external coach, in particular, has been, you know, and, and I've done like peer mentor kinds of things where I'm on the phone with. What's ostensibly a friend who sometimes asks me advice, but I can say, hey, I'm in this situation. What do you do? And and so many times just an external person to ask and ask some probing questions. And I I mean, I, I guess I'm curious about this. Like when you say coach, coach is a super loaded term for certain people, right? Like, and and I love the idea of this sort of ongoing training. You have a person you can go talk to. It's like a work therapist, right? Like, uh, (laughs) hey, I'm dealing with this. (laughs) Yeah, well, which is a big deal. But then, you know, there's some like coaches in in quotes, and maybe maybe they're not maybe they're the ones not in quotes and the other kind are in quotes I don't know which one's which but like you know there's the coach that all they do is ask you questions and they never give you any kind of advice and then there's hmm. the kind of coach that that has been through this before and is like hey here's something that I did that worked and and which is this is it a person who's just trying to help carry be the best carry by asking you questions or are they actually offering advice sometimes
2: um it's definitely le- leans more towards the the first option with a little bit of the second, Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is helping me identify my own personal blocks with certain things. Like you said you were going to do this thing. We are meeting again. You haven't done it. What's the deal? Like you were really excited about this the last time we talked, what happened? Um, And then that's more on me to kind of work with this person to figure out like, what is actually blocking me from doing that next cool strategic thing that I want to be doing? And also it's a little bit around um, lots lots of difficult conversation Mm -hmm. uh, topics. And so that's really where like a lot of tangible advice can come in, which I think is nice. Like here, I have this scenario. I want to bring it to my coach and we'll either role play it or we'll talk about... Uh, what's, what's blocking me, right? Like I'm thinking about this conversation that I'm about to have and I'm envisioning the 50 different ways that the conversation could go and trying to get more tangible with my coach to be like, is that really reasonable for you to be able to process all 50 outcomes or like, should yeah. you be focusing on something else? Yeah, are you thinking um, about so- this
0: like chess or are you thinking about this a little more high level, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly, you, totally.
1: I mean, are do any of these specific things that you've talked about stand out in your head? Like I got this kind of advice in this situation that helped me towards this outcome. Or I also, I recognize you're still at Webflow and so maybe you feel like you can't share any of those things, but is there anything that is specific and tangible tangible that stands out as really helpful that you learned?
2: Um, I think specifically one thing that I've been challenged by is understanding um, like how I can help influence engineering culture in a more strategic way than my teams directly. Um, we have still a relatively small engineering management org, org at Webflow. And so I initially was very much like, oh, why is no one working on this? Or why is no one thinking about this? Or, or it seems like this is a problem that we should all be trying to solve. And it took me a little while to realize if that's a problem to solve, I should be solving it, right? Like it is, it is a good place, a good opportunity for me to kind of take those next steps. And so that, that type of thing is what I've been working on a lot with my coaches. Like, okay, you have this idea for this thing that you want to work on in the future. Um, related to like changing engineering hiring practices, or um, I'm going on maternity leave soon. So trying to be very strategic about like the types of things that I want to work on when I get back and the types of things that if someone else takes on, that's fine. Um and so a lot of that kind of like distilling down general problems that I want to be solving and then getting really strategic about like, okay, I mean, I'm going to present this thing to these leaders so that we can move this initiative forward.
0: So tactics for achieving the strategies that you want, like how I have this idea, how do I even start making this happen kind of thing? Oh, that's super useful. Because like you often don't know, like you, you think of yourself as not empowered to do that thing. You're like, well, someone should do this. I'm like, well, maybe that someone is me, but how the hell do I even get going on that? No, it sounds it sounds super useful. Um, and I wanted to, unless Kendall, you have more questions about the coaching. Well,
1: I have a million more questions, but you you should ask the next one.
0: As always, I always have a million questions too. Um. So a little bit ago, you were like, you know, you you were excited to to come to Webflow and and uh, be supported by this training that you're going to get and and have someone like with some experience show you the ropes kind of thing. And uh, it made it sound as though maybe you had learned something the hard way uh, previously. And I was wondering if you had anything you wanted to share, like what have you learned an important and difficult lesson in leadership and management? And if so, what was it?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've learned, especially like in the past year, again, like thinking about like, how everyone has just been challenged to another level, I guess, in in pandemic times, Mm -hmm. um, I think my ability to lead is very much grounded in my ability to support myself. I think for a long time I thought like I could skate by with like just barely supporting myself in my own career development but like as long as I focused all my energy on the people on my team mm-hmm. and like the things that we needed to work on that it would all be fine. Um, and what I realized more is that like all of the time and energy that I spend on focusing on taking care of myself whether that be like from a work perspective or from, you know, like a work life balance perspective all that energy that I spend on myself, I can then put back into supporting my team when I have that energy. Um, And that's been a very cyclical thing that I've learned and unlearned over time. And I feel like maybe I've finally at least understand how important it is for me as a leader to support myself so that I can then reach out and support my teams.
1: Yeah. Uh, Particularly in pandemic year, the managers that I know that are you know doing the extra work to take care of themselves and and to be clear this year has affected a lot of us very differently right I I have many friends who are living their best life and this has been the best year ever (laughs) yeah I'm an introvert
0: I'm loving it you know
1: (laughs) I want to kill those people as much as I love some of them Rachel um I I mean it has been like a really big struggle for me and having to work really hard at maintaining just my mental stability this year. And, um, but there's been a lot of situations where I'm on the phone with somebody who's burned out or upset or, you know, even just like, I think in this year, you know, I've, I've made comments several times, like when everything's out of control and you have, you know, ownership and and agency and nothing, will you go change your job? Because, you know, that's one thing you can change. And so, you know, I've seen a lot of places with a lot more turnover and there's just, there's just people struggling with stuff. And so being in a spot where you're in a good place to be able to process with people when they're going through whatever. And, and that's, help them to stick around if they want to stick around. That's be gracious with them if they're actually going to leave and you can't do anything about it. You know, that's that's another part of it too. But um, I feel like this year in particular has been a huge test of my ability to stay semi-grounded and be a decent human being. But uh, mm-hmm. I completely – I that was a long way for me to say. <laughs> I feel yeah. I agree. <laughs> yep, I'm with you.
0: Um, so but there's another side to that. There's definitely this hugely important part of your self-care of making sure that you – are sleeping and eating, and that you have emotional support. But also, I think you are you are kind of also referring to you know you need to invest in your own career growth. You need to make sure people see what you're doing and and that you get compensated for it either with promotions or money or both appreciation mm-hmm. whatever it is that you need external validation in some way so that your career moves forward. Uh, and I know a lot of people, especially women, but a lot of people don't think of that as part of their job and mm-hmm. then they they get you know they get left behind in some way because they're not working on on um, self-promotion. Is that were you also talking a little bit about that or, or has that worked out pretty well for you without a lot of attention to that?
2: Um, I think it's definitely I definitely resonate with what you're describing there as well because I think a lot of what like I was initially feeling and thinking was, well, inherently, I'll get all of that alongside everything right. else. But that's where you miss that level of visibility, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're assuming that that's inherent, then you're probably it's probably not as visible as you think it is. Um and that's kind of this this is an interesting segue to think about like the the engineering manager to the senior engineering manager promotion. And I definitely don't think I have it all figured out or that like, (laughs) I'm the most incredibly qualified promoted person of all time. But I think really what it came down to was like, owning those more strategic um, pieces. And those were the, also the things that I cared about. So the opportunity really aligned with my interests and that it doesn't always happen super serendipitously like that. Like I care a lot about changing hiring practices. And so when it came time to, you know, putting energy and time into modifying hiring practices for the entire engineering org, well, obviously I was at the front door of that opportunity because that's something that I really care about. Um, but also be making sure that I made it clear exactly what things I did as part of those mm-hmm. larger initiatives where there were multiple people working on things so that I could um, effectively get whatever recognition was deserved as part of that work.
0: Cool. And and that's super interesting too. I love to talk about hiring. What, what have you implemented? What has worked and
2: not worked? Yeah, so when I initially started... Um, Webflow is doing a trial project where we would actually hire people on as contractors for a project for a specific period of time. So if you were an engineer looking for a job, we might actually hire you for 20 to 40 hours worth of work where you would work in the actual code base working on a real problem. There's lots of issues with that. Um, I don't really know that I need to like describe them all, but it's like it sounds cool. <laughs> it sounds, sounds cool. cool and it is it is nice to give people an opportunity to work in the actual code base if they if that's something that's really important to them as part of you know moving to a new role. For me, I came in and I said, I have a two-year old at home. Well, when I was initially hired, I had a one-year- old at home and I was like, there's literally no way that I would have been able to work here. If that was the requirement placed on a manager, Mm, because there was absolutely no way that I could have worked my full-time job, which I was doing. I am not a person who's going to quit my job and then look for a job. I just, that's just not (laughs) a plan, not in my style. Um, So I was like, I would not work here if this was the requirement for me and that feels like a barrier (laughs) that needs to be removed. Um, So that was kind of like, and we had lots of broad agreement um, on that, Overall, that it was just something that needed to be adjusted. And so, and then moving away from Webflow had never done the traditional like algorithms questions. So we weren't doing like cracking the coding interview type style interviews to begin with. But we still wanted to capture some of those things that we were getting out of the trial project. So allowing people to look at the code base. So now we have a shorter. Um, one hour, one and a half hour collaborative interview with another engineer who's going to walk you through the code base and kind of give you some of the overviews so that that engineers can check things out. Um, And then a little bit more around some asynchronous phases of the interview process to allow people with different cognitive styles and different communication styles to be able to contribute to the interview process um, in the same way. So we do an asynchronous code challenge at the beginning and we also do a code review phase where we ask someone to do a code review on someone else's code because oh, cool. a lot of that asynchronous communication is really important um, for us.
0: Yeah, especially in, in COVID times, but in general, it's a good idea too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Kendall.
1: Yeah. When, when, I mean, it, it, just in general, when you think about yourself as a manager, like, how would you describe yourself? Are you well, I'll stop there before I put words in the
2: <laughs> Oh, in general, as a manager, how would I describe myself? Um, th- I don't know why this is so hard for me to answer right now. Um, I think I, I like to I like to have fun. I like to be silly. Um, I'm also very structured and organized or at least I try to be and I will always leave that awkward seven seconds of silence
1: (laughs) (laughs) to like you ask a question and wait that is that what you mean um and you're willing to let people just sit there and hang in it for a minute and I mean does what does that lead to does that better than me putting words in your mouth kind of thing what's the what's the outcome of that
2: um, I just like making sure that like if the person, if someone needs a little bit more time to process inputs, or if we all just want to look at each other awkwardly for a few seconds in a Zoom call, like we have that opportunity. You're okay and with you,
1: that. <laughs> it does. Um, are there phrases that come to mind? Like in in every one on one, are you like a tell me how it's going. What do you need to process? What are the sort of rote phrases that you tend to go back to and, uh, you know, for good or for bad, sometimes it's just habit, sometimes it's real intentional, but I'm curious, you know, what those are for you.
2: Um, I'm always asking everyone how their week has been. Um, And that's probably the one that comes up the most. And
1: And is that sort of intentionally broad, like both personal and work so that they can answer either way. Cause yeah. it could go either way. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think some people really like to start with like what's going on with them personally. And then we kind of dive into what's going on with them tactically. Some people will just tell me about their PRs that they shipped, <laughs> which is also great. Like I love whatever works. Um, I, I, yeah, I like that a lot. And then just, just the general question usually at the end, which is what else is on your mind um, because there's, there's usually something else that I've missed or something else that I want to make space for um, to discuss with people. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. All right. That's good. And um, let me ask one more, Rachel, and then I will let you keep going. If it seems like I keep it, keep cutting in to ask, but uh,
0: <laughs> it's all good.
1: Uh, So you've, you've recently gone from senior or from engineering manager to senior engineering manager. What, what separates a more senior leader in your experience?
2: Great question. I feel like I haven't quite figured it out yet. (laughs) Um, I'm looking forward to getting more into it and understanding really what, what we're looking for. For me, it's about, um, breadth of ownership across multiple teams multiple outcomes specifically within the business and then also unfortunately like the number of people that i support for better or worse mm-hmm. i don't know if that one is one that i want to continue down the path of um but in terms of like ownership um and the the outcomes that i own from a team perspective is the where that really responsibility. comes from Yeah, Yeah. and
0: I think the thing you said right up front is one of those things that separates a junior leader from a senior one in my mind, which is uh, the ability to say you don't know something. that's My my experience with junior leadership is that they're too afraid to say that they don't know something and that 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 tends to spin out of control after a while. Uh, so I think you're there. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <Thanks>. um, <laughs> so uh, I, I want to ask the big question that we we tend to ask every time, which is, uh, what is your relationship with authority like? How do you feel about having authority over other people, and how do you feel about uh, other people having authority over you?
2: Yeah, I think I would. I'm very much a A rule follower in terms of authority. We hear that a lot. And I think I have had to just look look at myself from afar as a rule follower every once in a while and ask, is this the right thing to focus on right now? Especially at a startup. Like you you don't really want a bunch of rule followers because there's sometimes not that many rules. (laughs) So it's kind of hard to have, you know, the rule follower because I don't have a rule yet, so I have to create a rule first and then kind of go with the flow or just go with the flow and maybe five years from now we'll have a rule. Um, so that's been an interesting, fun challenge for me. I think of in terms of having having authority over others, um, I take that very seriously in terms of career growth, um, career coaching, and helping people do their best work. Um, I try to be as best a partner with everyone that I work with as I can while also understanding that there are implicit systems of power in place that affect people in different ways. Some people have no problem telling me that I have no idea what I'm talking about and that I should research something before engaging with them further. And some people really like look to me to be a person who's gonna help them figure things out and help them get to the next level and really take my advice and what I say seriously. And so just trying to balance the way that I um have those differing relationships with different people and also balancing like you are a different person than you are a different person. And I want to be able to support everyone in the way that works for them and not necessarily the way that works for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If, oh, go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, I just think that the weight of carrying authority should, it should be taken seriously. And yeah. uh, it's, not everybody does, and I think actually, the longer you have it, the easier it is to be like, "Yeah, I I deserve this, or I'm good at this," and and not you know forget how heavy it can be or should be. Um, but uh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, not investing. Go ahead, Rachel. Yeah, I, I I wanted to know is the kind of role that you're in right now uh, where you're also writing code? Because in my opinion, being a leader, especially when you your team grows and you have more surface area to focus on in terms of differences among people and the complexity of their interactions and stuff. Like it's not it takes it takes up more of your bandwidth such that you can't really usefully contribute to the code base. Is that a position you're in now?
2: Yeah, it is. I have 13 direct reports and two That's teams. Yeah. Um and so it hasn't wow. really been something that I have enough time for, though I gradually go through the phases of like grief around that. Like, (laughs) like, I just really want to be able to have like a few people to support and support them really well and be able to write code. But also, I think like that's also an area where I would have a ton to learn. And it's more about like balancing what the business needs right now versus what I want in my career. So I'm hopeful that it is in my future to get more Uh into the weeds, but not where I'm at right now.
0: Wow, Do you think there, I mean, should that be something to the senior manager and, and eventually a director or whatever, where you end up uh, next? Is that something you believe should be part of that job? Because I'm not sure that I, I, I'm i into that, uh, but it, it depends on how big the company is too, of course.
2: Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, I think it's more about um, less about actually contributing to the code base and more about just being able to understand and have those important conversations with the people on your team. And I just want to be as informed as I can be at a given moment, but not block anyone or not slow anyone down or
1: you know anything that that. makes sense okay well does is your relationship with authority what you just talked through do you feel like that's changed over time i mean have you always been a rule follower since you were a little kid or is that something that's new uh i because you know i would think getting a degree in computer science makes you have to follow the rules um i don't know (laughs) if that's the case
2: um I I think I was mostly a rule follower. Yeah. Even when I was like a rebellious teen, (laughs) um, I only got detention once because I decided to skip orchestra. And I think that (gasps) tells you everything you need to know
1: about me. (laughs) Orchestra? Wait, same as well orchestra, Rachel? That's also what you skipped was orchestra?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: wow okay that's I mean of all the classes <laughs> I went to the why movies. Not math or science or something
0: because <laughs> um. I needed to go to those classes <laughs> orchestra was easy
1: <laughs> wow okay oh okay, okay. Mm-hmm. and and uh I mean shift gears to what is life like outside of work you, you you mentioned you have a kid um what are the hobbies or other things you're doing when it's not um uh, work hours
2: yeah, um, I'm getting all my hobbies in now because I am having another kid this summer. Ooh, congratulations. So I'm like, okay, I got, I got a finite amount of time remaining <laughs> until we do this all again. Um, I am super into working outside in my garden and mm-hmm. I was never a dirt person when I was younger. <laughs> no camping. But I, am, I am super into it now. Um, I will like dig weeds all day. So that is so fun. And puzzles, I mean, can't go wrong with a puzzle because it's not a screen. So really, anything that's not a screen, I'm very much into. Yeah,
1: <laughs> especially in that. COVID times when you're in front of a screen all the time, all day long. The, um, tell us a little bit about your garden. I mean, you're hey, you're in the you Pacific growing? Northwest, so is it well? It is it all year round? Do you have two garden beds? A massive yard? Or are you doing an urban farm? But what? Yeah, what are you growing?
2: Yeah, um, I just pick the good looking plants and then take it to my husband and say, do you think this would survive or do you think this would die? He has a history as like a farmer, like he worked on a farm when he was younger. So he is very much the green thumb and I'm very much the, I like the aesthetics of it. I like weeding and the dirt and picking out plants. So I have a nice garden in my front yard and then we have a, we have a huge like side yard, backyard. So it's just weeds all day long with a nice little variety of, you know, plants and vegetables.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. vegetable growing. That's cool. Yeah. I don't have enough space for that where I am, but uh, I'm enjoying picking out flowers for sure.
1: <laughs> I'm yeah. terrible at it. I don't, I don't even, you know, know what a Dorito plant looks like. So um, yeah. I'm a, I, I, I know nothing about gardening, anything. And and every plant that I have ever planted has died. Um, <laughs> Who, so I gave up a long time ago
0: with Go respect ahead, to, uh, to your, you know, to personal life and being a leader, Uh, going into management, has that affected your personal life? Like, do you do things, do you interact with your family and friends differently? Do you approach situations differently using what you've learned as a leader or no? is that they're completely separate lives?
2: I do think I use some of those skills overlapping, um, though I try not to, but I know that I very much, um, very much do. I had a little foray into swing dancing a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago, like I did it for probably two years and I realized that I was a terrible follower because I was like always establishing like, you know, they have the two partner system and the followers just have to, you know, go along with what the leader is, is dancing. And I was like, I'm very bad at this. And that means that I should do it more because I'm not, I'm leading too much in my life. So that was like a good um, reminder ah. to just like, let go of things at home and, you know, be more collaborative and not try to create this kind of like organizational structure in the home as well.
0: <laughs> Perhaps you're a little bit of a control freak. I definitely am. <laughs> I yeah, I think that, that came
2: out, that came out in my dancing. I was like, I don't want to go this way. I want to spin this way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you I'm not understand now. that I'm yeah I'm establishing dominance in this situation <laughs> and then you will follow stamp um, on
0: foot yeah that's really interesting
1: <laughs> that that dancing that is super sort cool of brought yeah. this to light does it I mean has it made you more laid back at home and I mean maybe even at work realizing that um
2: I think again i think it's like i go through phases i think sometimes i'm like i could really use a good following moment like i'm just gonna lean back for relaxing Um, yeah yeah
0: like someone else is in charge like you just have to let it go some things aren't worth you know don't need you to be in charge of them right (laughs) yes (laughs) totally totally okay
1: well great well we're gonna wrap up here for time's sake but um Carrie, if people want to know more or follow you on the internet, what's where is a place that they can do that?
2: Yes, I'm on Twitter at Carrie Ann Ban, um, Carrie with a K, and Ann with an E. All
0: right, I will put that in the show notes correctly. It's important that that be spelled correctly. Yes. (laughs) Awesome! Thank you so so much much for being with us.
2: Thank you so much.